Today's scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Stephanie. I had a mentor who once told me that people are not looking for a place to join. They're looking for a place to belong. I like the simplicity of that. People are not looking for a place to join. They're looking for a place to belong. I think that's a statement that holds a lot of truth. I have had a lot of things in my life that I have had to join. The most annoying ones these days are websites or stores that make me join, right, so that uh, I'm a member and I can track points and get rewards and get marketing emails and all these other hassles for that $2 coupon that they send me every once in a while. I don't like to join things just for the sake of joining them. But I do, I do need places where I feel like I belong. And I think you do too. I need places, I need groups of people where I know I'm valued. Where people listen to what I have to say. I, I need places where people are happy to see me when I show up. Places where they have stuff for me to do that feels useful and helpful. I need places, groups of people where I belong. And that means that I can screw up and still get to come back in a place I belong. I can make a mistake, or I can say the wrong thing, or I can just show up sometimes in a terrible mood, and they say, hey, it's okay. You belong here. We'll take you even when you're crabby. We all need places where we know we belong. My mentor's advice that people are not looking for a place to join, they're looking for a place to belong, it was advice about the church. And the question that naturally arises from it is then, what does it take for people to feel like they belong in a church community? We're wrapping up our series today, Washed, a series about baptism. And this question about belonging is right in sync with everything we've been talking about. Because baptism is fundamentally a sacrament of belonging. Now, it might sound kind of funny to say that at first because we understand baptism to be God's act, right? It's the moment when God pours out God's grace on us, a moment when we claim those promises of God for eternity, and it is all that, but it is also a moment of claiming and naming a moment of belonging. And our liturgy for the baptism actually says that right at the very beginning. It says baptism is incorporation into, the, into Christ's holy church incorporation. We become part of the body. So baptism is a sign of our belonging to the body of Christ. And that's why baptism is not a private affair. You know, sometimes we get asked as pastors to do private baptisms, and there are certainly moments when extraordinary circumstances make that necessary, but for the most part, I always say no to those requests. Because baptism is an act of God, but it's also an act of the community. You know, we've been talking about the three questions that we answer before baptism. We've been studying those together these weeks. Do you repent of your sin? Will you resist evil and injustice and oppression? And then last week we talked about, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? 
Well, when we answer those questions, when we come here to the font, we answer those questions, we actually answer them with a whole group of people. We do this together. And so when we say yes to those questions, we also say, hey, I belong here. I belong with all of you who've also answered yes to those questions, and I want to do life with you. I want to figure out this faith journey together with you. Baptism is a communal sacrament. It's a moment of the community. And if we want any more evidence beyond the liturgy of that, all we have to do is look to the story of Jesus' own baptism to see that it was far from a private and individual affair. You know, there are lots of moments when the four gospel writers tell their stories in different ways. And third graders, you got your Bibles there. If you look in the New Testament, you'll see that there are differences in the way the four gospel writers tell their stories. But one thing they all agree on, they all tell this part of the story, that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. They're certain on those details. Now Luke, he kind of tells the story in a funny way. He spends verses and verses telling us all about John the Baptist, about his fiery speeches, about how he challenged the people to repentance. He baptized them with water as a sign of their cleansing. And then almost as an afterthought, Luke says, oh yeah, by the way, when all the people had been baptized and when Jesus had been baptized and he was praying, heaven was open, spirit came down like a dove, voice from heaven said, you're my son, the beloved with you, I'm well pleased. And then the story just goes right on. It's so quick in the Gospel of Luke but it is so important. Jesus was baptized there in the Jordan, just like all the other people that had gathered with John that day. Jesus didn't do it in some private moment. He didn't do it himself, right? He submitted to somebody else to baptize him, which actually was a bit of a problem for early Christians. They had to explain why Jesus was the more important one, even though John had been the one to baptize him. But Jesus was baptized in a community moment as he started his public ministry. Now granted, something happened to Jesus in that moment that didn't happen to anybody else that day. The Holy Spirit came down looking like a dove and this voice rang out from heaven claiming him as God's son. That didn't happen to anybody else that day. And I don't know what the crowd must have thought when they saw it. But Jesus had this happen with all these other people around him. Then he left and he went into the wilderness for 40 days to have this private time of preparation for his ministry. But when he came back from the wilderness, what did he do? Right at the beginning, he started calling other people to him. He started calling disciples. He gathered people around him. Jesus' ministry was always communal. He was lifting up leaders. He was empowering them to do his work after he was gone. And I think that communal ministry The fact that it was a group of people, he started that at his baptism by being baptized in public as a part of the crowd saying, hey, this is something we share. This is something that I'm doing with you. I don't do it alone. Jesus was always bringing other people with him as a part of his ministry. His disciples, uh, his 12 disciples and lots of other people who followed him and fed him and housed him and soaked up his teaching. And because there were a lot of people around him working with him, I think it's fair for us to assume that Jesus had to experience what we all experience whenever we're trying to work with a group of people. Or maybe you have experienced this, but sometimes when people get together, they have differences of opinion. Ever had that happen? Well, we baptized here into the body of Christ 
deciding that we belong at St. Paul's, we have to navigate two moments of difference of opinion. We hold lots of different opinions on different subjects here at the church. And I, I think for the most part, we do pretty well at navigating those differences. But sometimes we do that because we just choose not to talk about things. And I know, and I think you know, that getting along together because we choose not to talk about something is different than getting along together because you do talk about things and you give space for people to hold different views. There are a lot of churches that manage to get along by doing the first thing, just not talking about it. But real belonging, real belonging comes, a true sense of home, a true sense of community comes when we can talk about whatever we need to talk about. We can lean on the grace of God together, we can disagree, we can find common ground, and we can figure out how to act as a community. But you know, all that, it takes work, and it takes care, and it takes patience, and it takes practice. It takes practice. Some of us took the chance to practice that kind of belonging with one another last Sunday night in what was called a deliberative dialogue. We considered the question that I raised in my sermon two weeks ago. Remember that question, what is the role of the church in a divided society? What's the role of the church in a divided society? Now, last Sunday night, there were around 25 of us present on the Zoom, which I thought that was pretty good, considering that I accidentally overlapped with the AFC championship game. Go Chiefs! And it was also a brand new thing for us to do. So 25, I was pretty happy. We had people who were longtime St. Paul's members and people who were newer to the church. We had people in their 20s and people in their 80s. We had people with a wide range of political views, people who have different ways of naming who God is in their lives, and we had a great conversation. We really did. So I want to take just a minute to tell you about what happened, those of you who weren't there. We talked about what we have at stake in the divisions in society, about how we've experienced it in our families, uh, in the media, even inside the church. And we talked about different options for a church community to respond to a divided society. We explored the pros and the cons of three different approaches. One is the church as refuge. And that's where a church focuses pretty much exclusively on spiritual growth and stays away from commenting on societal issues or getting involved with social change. Church as refuge. Second option was church as mediator where the focus is on education and learning and being informed and holding space for dialogue so that we can gain perspective. That's church as mediator. And then the third option was church as prophetic voice, where the focus was on coming together, taking action, trying to make change in society according to our faith. So church as refuge, church as mediator, church as prophetic voice. And as we talked, we found that there are real advantages and real disadvantages to all three of those options. We also discovered that they're not quite as clear-cut as saying them like that makes it sound, but that they sort of blend over into one another, and that there are elements of all three that have real value for a church. After we considered the pros and cons of each option, we looked back over our notes together, and we found some common threads, some common values that had emerged. And I think that these common values actually represent St. Paul's really well and describe the kind of culture that we have here at the church. So I wanna share them with you. 
First of all, we said that we place a high value on freedom of thought. People said, we don't want to be told, Pastor Amy, exactly what to think. We want to be informed, and we want to be left to decide for ourselves, which is good, because I'm not very good at telling other people what to think, so I like that. It's also a high value on uh, giving others space and respect for other people's opinions. We want to give that respect to other people, and we want to receive that respect about our opinions from other people. We also said that we value knowledge. Learning about an issue, it seems like a good thing. So that value of, of learning is true for the scriptures and true for our faith, but also true about community issues and, and what's going on in larger society. Someone said, you know, sometimes the church can be the only place to share information in a clear and helpful way, more so than maybe anywhere else. We said we had a really high value for welcome, that we want this to be a place where anybody can feel like they can come and also feel safe. Safety was a key word. We said, if you can't feel safe at church in the shadow of God's love, then where can you expect to feel safe? So we want this to be a place that feels safe for people. At the same time, we want faith to be applied to our lives. People talked about how they wanted what happens here in the sanctuary and in our faith to intersect with their lives. We don't want some kind of cutoff or boundary between faith and the rest of our lives. We need them to come together. And we want to be relevant to the world. We said if we never talk about inside the church what's going on outside the church, then we're afraid that outsiders might think that we have our head in the sand, and we don't want that. And finally, we want to be able to seek justice in society because God is a God of justice. And we know there are some things that we are probably never going to come to agreement on. And the hotter the political discourse around a particular issue, the less likely that we're going to be able to come to some kind of agreement. But that doesn't mean there aren't things we can't agree on. There's plenty of common ground. And so we need to work to find those. And when we find those issues that we can agree on, work on helping to make them better. And people lift up, lifted up examples, things like hunger or human trafficking, that we can find agreement on and work together to make change. Now, I find those to be pretty encouraging common threads. I think they describe the community of St. Paul's pretty well, and they help give us a roadmap about how to move forward even in the midst of a divided society. Overall in the conversation, there was this really strong sense that the church needs to be a different kind of place, a place where respectful conversation and learning can happen, a place different from the angry rhetoric and blaming and hostility that we see elsewhere. We recognize it's not easy, but we have Jesus. We have Jesus leading the way. Finally then, the conversation wrapped up with some possible next steps. And we didn't imagine a grand plan or program. We didn't talk long enough to figure out something like that, and that wasn't the point. The point was to see where do we have agreement and where can we find some momentum so some possible suggestions that came out of the meeting are to work on a, a mission statement or an identity statement for the church that, that kind of encapsulate these common values. We also considered having a congregation-wide prayer initiative in the next year, asking God for wisdom about our role in a divided society and how we grow together as a congregation. We talked about what, what would it take to get more than 25 people at the next conversation like this? 
And I was really glad for the size of the group on Zoom because it allowed everybody pretty much to participate. If it had been much larger, that would have been harder. But you know the good news, guys? We are not gonna be beholden to Zoom conversations forever. <laughs> Eventually, we're gonna get together in a room again and be able to have these kind of conversations face to face. So what would it look like to activate more folks' interests and make sure that we have the widest variety of voices from the congregation that we can as we talk and learn and make decisions together. And finally, we talked about what would it be like to focus in on that desire for safe space? How do we make sure that this church is a place where people feel heard and valued, a people can, where people can express their views and know that they belong? So that was the wisdom of those who were gathered there. And I thought it was pretty wise. I know that's a lot to take in in listening to a sermon. And I, I hope that there are a few of you who are saying, ha, I wish I had joined that meeting. That sounds like it was interesting. At the end, I asked folks to describe their feelings about the conversation we just had. And they said things like hopeful, encouraged, enlightened. Now, we may not know yet all the fruit that that conversation will bear, that deliberative dialogue, but I think we all left with this sense that we really can create a space in the church of safety and respect. We can experience church as a place that builds up and not tears down, even as we work to consider the divisive things in society. You know, I, I want this to be a place where you feel like you belong. That's my prayer about St. Paul's. I want this to be a place where you feel like you are valued and you are heard, a place where you are challenged to grow, a place that you know you can come even on your bad days and be loved. I also want you to know that belonging here means embracing others in the name of God and helping them feel like they belong. Jesus actually, through the scriptures, if we look, he had very few moments of private ministry. He was always making God and God ways, God's ways public. He was always sharing with others and trying to share his light and, and invite others into his ministry. And that was especially true at his moment of commissioning at his baptism. So we too, whenever we come to this font, we come as a public witness to our faith and saying, this is where I belong. May God grant us the grace we need to grow together in faith as one body serving one Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.